Hi, I'm Amira Khaled, and I'm the creator and host of Inspiring UAE Women, the one and only podcast focused on female leaders in the United Arab Emirates. In my show, I will be interviewing and shining the spotlight on a diverse group of female leaders in the UAE and hopefully inspire women in the region with their success stories. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you enjoy listening to my podcast. And if you do, please subscribe and leave your comments and ratings on iTunes. You can follow the show on social media and also get in touch with me on LinkedIn at Amira Khalid ACCA or by email. Details will be in the episode description. My guest today is Mehvish Ayub. Mahavish is a senior portfolio strategist at State Street Global Advisors, located in Abu Dhabi. She actively participates in thought leadership, product development, and investment strategies across multiple asset classes for institutional and intermediary clients. With over 15 years of investment experience, her other experiences include being an investment manager at Barings Asset Management in the Global Multi-Asset Group and foreign exchange options trader at Morgan Stanley. Thank you so much for being on my show, Mahvesh. It is an absolute pleasure to have you. Mahvesh, my first question is, did you always want to work in financial services? Can you tell us the backstory about what interested you in this field? Thank you, Amira. It's, it's an honor for me to be here. So with regards to financial services, I always feel like I, I fell into it. And because it was a very interesting field, I then um, continued to stay in it throughout my career. But essentially, I always liked studying um, economics and politics. And I chose to then apply to the London School of Economics, um, where I was accepted. And um, there was a very heavy focus on financial services there. So essentially, there were a lot of career fairs from the from the moment we joined. Um, and it was a uh, a very popular sort of career decision at the time. So um, that's essentially how, um, you know, my interest in the field grew. And then um, my pathway in is I did an internship at uh, Goldman Sachs, and then I started a graduate program at Morgan Stanley. And uh, I have moved a, a little bit around within financial services between investment banking, consulting and asset management. But the key thing that has always kept me interested is really financial markets are like this giant unsolvable puzzle. I mean, things are always changing. There's always so much to learn, the products and services, the investing environment is changing, your client requests are changing. So it's it's a great learning process. Um, the people that you work with are, uh, are very smart. It's just, uh, you know, over the almost coming up to 20 years that I've been in the industry, I would say that I still the tip of the iceberg in terms of what I know. Mahavish, for our listeners, in your current role as senior investment strategist at State Street Global Advisors, what do you do? So um, I am an investment representative for the firm in the region. And as a result, I represent the firm when it comes to PR opportunities, whether that's doing live interviews on Bloomberg or CNBC. I um, attend a number of conferences and I speak to clients in the region. And in terms of the, the topics that are discussed and the products and services provided, it's very much around their financial objectives. So whether that's, you know, if you're uh, trying to ensure that someone's pension, um, you know, once they've retired, they have a, um, a good pension and they're able to retire in, in financial safety. Safety, that that would be one objective that we're trying to solve for. Another is just to um, how would you manage your savings through time to, to reach your uh, objectives, not just necessarily to do with retirement, but for example, children's education. So it's financial objectives largely that we are trying to solve for. And most of our clients are um, institutional clients. 
Going back to the financial markets quickly, Mahavish, what are the big trends you're watching for in 2022? Uh, 2022 so far year to date has actually been a very, very difficult um, environment for financial markets. It's been highly, highly volatile. Um, I think, unfortunately, inflation, uh, sticky inflation is here to stay. It means that the volatility that we've seen so far is likely to continue. So I would say that it's important for you know anyone with a financial portfolio to really think about how do they navigate this, this volatility? How do they protect for overall a regime where we're likely to experience much higher inflation on, on a much more medium term basis. Speaking of trends, Mahavish, women in investment, where are they? Why is the financial sector still failing to attract and retain talented women in 2022? So I think this is this is a really important question. I, I think from you know the the entry point level, uh, the diversity statistics are actually okay. So they are still attracting um, you know women into the industry. The the real key issue here is is retention, and I think this can really be split into two areas. One is obviously the personal circumstances of the individual, and the other is what what is the professional environment that they are working in. Now, when it comes to personal, and we might touch upon this later, it's, I think motherhood or any other carer duty and requiring flexibility later on in your career when you're more senior is is very important. It's a really crucial to determining whether you come back into the workforce after a particular life event. And from a professional perspective, it's about do you have the flexibility as your Live personal lives evolve and um, to continue to work, to continue to aim actually for the highest position in the firm. So, you know, I don't think people should, individuals or women in the industry should continue to work for the sake of it. You should work if you're aiming and you believe it is possible for you to become CIO or CEO. And is that path there for you? Do you have sufficient role models um, and do you have sufficient promotion opportunities to get there? And this is really what will determine those diversity statistics we see at the entry level. You know, do they continue as you move further up the ladder. Now, I do want to caveat that generally, as you move further up any corporate ladder, it's more difficult. It's a more difficult environment politically, professionally to to navigate. But then if you combine with that, the changes that typically happen within women, and I really always am alluding to motherhood because I'm a working mother myself, um, then it becomes very difficult to, to have that retention on an ongoing basis. Mahavish, as someone who has spent more than 15 years in investment, what is the secret of your success as a leading woman in the sector? So, you know, when I really try to think about it, I would say there are two key things. But one is I've always been very clear about having a good work-life balance. And I've really, you know, protected both sides of that. So really been able to prioritize. And second is I've I've had supportive personal circumstances. And I made decisions throughout my career that led me to be, you know, at a point when I was considering having a family of my own to have the flexibility that I needed. So I didn't always have it at the outset in all of my roles, but I certainly navigated my career path with the view that if this is going to happen at some point, how am I going to practically, you know, manage it? And I do think we plan for our careers, we plan for our relationships. um, And I do feel sometimes people sort of just fall into, you know, motherhood expecting that, everything will pan out. But you have to plan for that. You have to be at the right firm, you have to have the right circumstances, you have to have the right supportive infrastructure. And you should plan for that as much as you can, just like you would do for anything else in your life. So I mean, work life balance is crucial. And I have to share that I was after my firstborn, I was very close to dropping out, I cannot imagine how that would have been for me. I don't think it would have been good for me, because I really like what I do. And I really like the balance that I have right now. But 
you know, I was very close to dropping out. And I think that is the point where so many women exit the workforce, and they find it very difficult to come back in at all. And if they do come back, it's at a much lower level at what point they left. So you know, this is really important that protecting your work life balance and planning around it. Mahavish, as an advocate of diversity, do you work with other organizations or groups outside work that promote dialogue or action on diversity? But even within the firm, there are a number of initiatives ongoing. But outside of the firm, I am an ambassador for an organization called Reboot. And uh, essentially, this is looking to encourage a positive dialogue on race via one of two methods. Um, there's an element of um, sharing stories of influential role models in the BAME community. And they're also partnering with a number of firms to provide research and data on the experience of individuals in, in various industries. So um, that has been really eye-opening, actually, is to understanding the importance of role models um, and actually how even the statistics differ within uh, the Black and Asian uh, minority communities, because there are quite vast um, differences even uh, between them, rather than sort of looking to group them all together. And I think that can hide um, some of the the cultural issues and um, what is really preventing us from getting to those, you know, right diversity statistics, uh, because the data in itself is is not um, detailed and granular enough. Absolutely. So, Mavish, have you seen attitudes towards women and investment change over the years? Yeah, I mean, attitudes have improved. I think it's a very different place from when I started in the industry almost uh, 20 years ago. And I think, you know, when I think about what has caused that, I do think in some part it's it's to do with the, the organizations, the, the focus on uh, gender equality and women having a voice, a stronger voice. Uh, but it's also down to the women standing up for themselves and actually asking for what they need. Um, uh, I think uh, that is equally as important. I think we tend to focus a lot just on the environment being right, your your firm culture, and that can all exist. But if you as an individual don't ask for what you need and what you think you deserve, um, you won't get it. So I do think it has to be a combination of the two. And I would actually, going forward, place just as, as much emphasis on both of those uh, parts rather than just one. To This is how we're going to achieve gender equality. Now, knowing what you want, asking for it, it's so important, and um, particularly when you have certain life events which then force you to constantly have these difficult conversations whether it's talking about I can manage if I come back part-time four days a week um, I need to leave the office early to pick my daughter up from from school so you know in that role you're already having to have those difficult conversations um, but I think having those conversations in a more assertive manner knowing your self-worth and asking for what you deserve is, is really important Looking ahead, Mahavish, what do you think is the key obstacle in the way of gender equality in the workplace? There is an, an issue with the, the gender pay gap. And I think as there is more data and that data actually becomes more compulsory instead of voluntary, I think that will start to have an impact. But I think there really has to be top-down regulation and enforcement of, of that data and being transparent around it before you start to see change in organizations. A lot of the time you'll have senior management and this very clear top-down view, but who knows what's actually happening, you know, in the lower ranks? Like, is it down to your individual manager? Is it 
it down to your individual team. And that is your experience. And that is how you are navigating your day-to-day work life. So it's, it's great from a statistical perspective when you look at an overall firm and they're doing this and they're doing that. But is that feeding down to the individual that needs it? And, and I have been pretty astonished that often that's not the case. You can have so much theoretical support in place, but either you're not utilizing it or it's not actually as available as, it, as you think it is. Mahavish, are there any projects or upcoming work that you're particularly excited about? Now, at the moment, everyone's talking about climate change with very good reason. Look at the heat waves that we've seen recently in, in parts of Europe, like totally unexpected. I mean, I'm originally from the UK and I, I cannot imagine like 40 degrees Celsius in um, in that city, but that is what we're experiencing. So climate is something that the world needs to solve for. But in addition to that, people tend to forget that you also have the social and the governance side. And in that social side, there is this emphasis on gender, um, not just gender, but even ethnicity equality. So, and I think as you have increased focus on, you know, releasing the data, showing what those pay gaps are, that will be very instrumental in guiding us towards, um, you know, solving for, for gender equality. Um, and I think what's also important is not just having that top-down approach, but if individuals are basing their investment decisions on whether a firm is fulfilling the right ESG criteria, that will also encourage firms to change their culture and make the right decision. So there is making sure that the data is there and transparent and showing what your your pay gaps are, whether it's to do with gender or ethnicity. And then there is the demand for your, you know, from your end client, which is coming through from the millennial generation and, and actually making their investment decisions on those ESG ratings or firms. So we, we are, you know, in this really exciting transition phase. And I don't think the focus on any element, there's always going to be one element of E, S or G, which is in focus. And I don't think that's going to go away in the short term. That is going to be a continuous feature of the environment we find ourselves in. And people will continue and uh, to make financial decisions based on that. And that is is going to be what really drives us towards uh, equality on, on many levels. My last question to you is, Mehavish, what advice would you give to the new generation of women starting out in the field? I would say that, firstly, it is a really great field to be involved in. It's so varied like there are so many different roles so many different types of firms that you can move around within I mean personally for me I started off in investment banking I then did a stint in consulting I then moved a little bit into private wealth and since then I've been in or more on the institutional asset management side and all of them have different challenges different opportunities huge amount to learn great people to work with but you know you have to know what you want. Like, don't be afraid if you start off in one part of the industry in a particular firm and you see something else that is attractive, go for it. And and I think as you navigate your career through the industry, just plan, plan for life changes and get advice from role models, get advice from individuals who've gone through the same path. I took some very, very pragmatic, very good advice from um, female role models in the industry earlier on in my career. One very simple thing, prioritize and delegate. We have to do it in our jobs anyway. We perhaps don't do it as much at home. So if you are thinking about having a family, really prioritize what do you want to focus on? Because you cannot do your work and you cannot look after the children and you cannot do all the housework. So I took this very simple advice from this individual that delegate what is unnecessary. Frankly, I'm not that keen on cooking and cleaning anyway, but I I have made the monetary sacrifice to pay someone to do that. So I really concentrate on my career and my family. 
and everything else. And I think this is so important because we are in this age where working mothers are overburdened. They do take on a lot, whether it's the house, whether it's the you know children's responsibility. We know that post-COVID-19 uh, pandemic, we've seen a lot of women drop out of the workforce for this reason, taking an unfair burden when it comes to childcare duties and actually leaving their jobs. So it's just prioritize what's important where you have the ability to delegate, do it. If you were to assume that it takes four to five years where you're really through that bulk of the key sort of childcare phase and your career is, is on a very good trajectory, The point is, even if you don't earn anything else after those four or five years paying for childcare, paying for services, your career remains on its trajectory. Think about the monetary sacrifice temporarily over a few years for the childcare, for the services that allow you to excel in your job. You may even come out of that time frame, you know, with even better sort of earning prospects. And I kid you not, as a working mother, there are skills that I apply in my day to day in my home, you know, organization skills that then apply similarly to, to my work. So it's not like one will take away from the other as long as you balance it. But at the end of that four or five year period, you should be above or on the same career trajectory you started with. The real tragedy is when you drop out when you're doing so well, And you just cannot make it back in. And that is what we need to avoid. Mavish, thank you so much for this wonderful interview. It was a pleasure having you on my show. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Inspiring UA Women podcast. I believe women across the world will agree with me that as far as economic opportunities go, women tend to get the short end of the stick. It is also extremely challenging to this day to break into male-dominated fields such as investment and finance. The underrepresentation of women within finance and investment is extremely transparent. Within the United States, as of June 2021, women hold nearly 6% of CEO positions within the S&P 500 companies across industries and 4% of CEO positions within S&P 500 FSIs. Although it is not all bleak and female hires are improving across the board, only 4.9% of partners currently occupying senior roles in venture capital firms are women. In private equity, only 10% occupy senior roles. However, this isn't simply a gender issue. A research by McKinsey in 2021 revealed that within the United States, from entry level to C-suite, the representation of women of color falls by 80%. The asset management industry especially lags with representing women across most levels. The representation of women of color has not materially changed since 2018. Unfortunately, there simply isn't enough in-depth regional research on this specific point for me to discuss right now. But through power of deduction, I am assuming that the statistics aren't going to be any better. So what can the financial services industry do to improve gender diversity? The issue isn't just about hiring more women. It is also looking at ways to retain them within the workforce. Looking at solutions, there are two viable and critical options that go hand in hand, flexibility and managerial support. Women cannot be the only one constantly pushing against the glass ceiling. Both men and women need to work together to cause a cultural shift. It might start with examining their own unconscious biases and listening. With that, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this interview and I'll see you in the next episode.